Welcome, 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 everyone. That was a little Queensryche for a Sunday morning. I'm Ken Edwards. It'll get you out of bed. That will get you out of bed. You should be out of bed anyway. You should be out working because this is the Worker's Mic brought to you by the Midwest Coalition of Labor. My name is Ken Edwards. This is Ed Maher. We are on 720 WGN Radio. Not TV. Not TV. This is just radio. If you're having trouble noticing that, then you've got bigger problems. Yeah. Um, maybe you should go back to bed. I got to tell you, uh, you just uh, heard a little Queensryche. And I know there are some folks that might be upset that you're not listening to Frank Sinatra right now. There used to be two hours of Frank. So the listeners are, are having to do with Frank. an hour. They're yeah. getting an hour of the music and the stories. It's my Don't bad. I'm my bad. Is so today, what are we talking about? Today we're going to have uh, a guest. We've got Joe Healy from the Labor's District Council of Chicago. He's okay. going to be in here talking about a lot of important things, one of them being the um, the Workers' Rights Amendment that's going to be up on the ballot on November 8th. Cool. Super cool. What, yeah. else, what else we got going on? We do a myth of the week? Yeah, later on we're going to feature a union myth of the week. You're not going to want to miss it. And um, this is our second show so yeah. last week we had our very first show, and uh, we got a lot of great feedback. And I just want to say thanks to everybody who reached out. Uh, so glad that you're listening to the show. We want to hear everything that you have to say and uh, to make this show as, as good as possible and as relevant as possible for you. Hey, listen, while we're on that subject, if you have a comment, uh, a question, a concern, you want information, um, you want to talk about the show, you want to talk about anything at all work-related – um, you can call 800-433-2099. That is 800-433-2099. That is the Midwest Coalition of Labor's phone number. That phone call will come to me, and you can leave me a message. Uh, you can ask for a call back. You can ask a question about workers' rights. It can be anonymous. Whatever it is that you want to talk about, um, call me back. Do not call me drunk. And don't call them between 1 and 3 p.m. because that's nap time. That's It's called gym, gymnasium, because I, that's I'm, you can't see it on the radio, obviously, but I'm extremely well built. So I'll tell you what, Ken. I, coming in the building this morning, I stopped downstairs in the lobby, and we actually in this building, WGN building, has got a great uh, coffee, uh, little coffee shop. And the guy running it, his name is Johnny. So if I seem a little bit wired today, it's because Johnny made me a cup of coffee. And I reach down to stir in. I drink my coffee with cream and sugar. Um, I reach down to stir it in, and the stirrer melted. Really? So I don't know if Johnny has figured out a way to heat up water past boiling, but I had a melted straw that I pulled out, but I didn't have enough time to get a different cup of coffee, so I drank it anyway. So if I fall over in my chair or something like that, um, it's probably some kind of plastic ingestion. So you want to sue Johnny is what you're saying. I'm just saying maybe don't let him get out of the building if something happens to me. (laughs) So we're going to have Joe Healy coming in in a couple minutes. He's from the Labor's District Council of Chicago. So stick with us. I'm Ed Maher. I'm with Ken Edwards, and you're listening to The Worker's Mic here on WGN Radio. You're listening to The Worker's Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back. You are listening to 720 WGN on this Sunday morning. This is the Workers' Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor. I'm Ed Maher. He's Ken Edwards, and we're going to keep the show rolling. We've got a really great guest, Joe Healy. 
Joe is the secretary treasurer of the Labor's District Council of Chicago and also the business manager of Labor's Local 1092. Welcome, Joe. Welcome. Great to have you, Joe. Thank you. Thanks, guys. And by the way, Joe was a participant in getting the MCL off the ground. That's right. And he's an attorney. That's also correct. Yeah. <laughs> you wear a lot of hats, uh-huh. Joe, and you uh-huh. wear them you well. You must be very smart. I've just got a big head, and <laughs> I can fit a lot of hats on it. So, Joe, why don't you tell us a little bit about the Labor's District Council of Chicago and even uh, Labor's Local 1092, where you're the business manager? Sure. The District Council represents over 20,000 members. We do everything from putting water and sewer mains in the ground, uh, working on the skyscrapers that I'm looking at out the window right here. Um, we do asbestos removal. We do roads and highways and uh, and everything in between. Um, 1092 specifically represents city employees and some county employees, county laborers that are, are working for the water department, Department of Transportation, and the county highway department. And the city uh, city folks as well, correct? That's city right. Of Chicago. Yeah. How many members in 1092? Uh, 1092 has about 900, almost a thousand members now. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk. Uh, you know, obviously, why you're here is. Uh, the Workers' Rights Amendment, mm-hmm. right? Right. Obviously, you're familiar with it. Um, you, you tell us, in your own words, why why is it important that this thing passes? It's a great opportunity, I think, for all workers, whether they're a laborer, whether they're not in a union at all, um, to enshrine in the Constitution their rights to bargain, to speak up on the job, and to speak up for better wages, better safety, uh, and better working conditions. So... It's not a law, you're saying. It's actually a constitutional amendment. Right. So it takes the the onus away from politicians in the future, right? We don't have to worry about a politician coming in and trying to change a law, for example. Right. And we've seen in other states that politicians do try to come in and take away workers' rights. And this would be a, a bulwark against that and prevent that from happening here in Illinois because we want to leave the power in workers' hands, not in politicians' hands. Yeah, politicians will often come in and say, we're just going to regulate or we're going to take a little bit away from this group of people. Mm-hmm. And everyone else you know, is, is okay with that. But when in reality, these, these laws that are anti-worker really affect everyone. Yeah. And by the time it's passed and people realize what it's done, it's just too late. Right. Union or not, I mean, this is something that's going to benefit everybody. I, know, I just read an article in the latest issue of Cranes where... Um, Hospital employees were speaking up against dangerously low staff shortages. Now, that affects their working conditions. It also affects the safety of all the patients in those hospitals. And it's something that can't be done without fear of losing your job in states like Mississippi and Alabama and places like that, places that we don't want Illinois to turn into. Uh, And this amendment will help prevent that from happening. So you're saying basically it's not only for the worker themselves, but it has some ripple effects down the line. So it protects a nurse from saying, hey, you know what? We don't have enough nurses and we need more nurses. Otherwise, people are going to get turned away or they're going to die and we simply can't staff it and we're tired or we're working too many hours. I mean, it gives those nurses the right to stand up to their boss, to these corporate hospitals, for example, these for-profit places and say, hey, we fear for our safety. And not only then it's the safety of us, but it's the safety of my mom that's in the hospital, our grandmother that's in the hospital. Yeah, right? The research is clear, right, that staffing shortages 
directly lead to worse outcomes for the patients there. And when you have nurses and other healthcare professionals that are able to stand up for their rights and to call out hospitals that are, are, are experiencing these staffing shortages, then you're increasing the safety and the outcomes for patients that are in those hospitals. And, and that's just talking about nurses. This trickles down for, for first responders. If they don't have to worry about um, these small little things and they can just focus on keeping the public safe or serving the public, it's it, it benefits everyone. It's interesting to hear this from you know, the head of the laborers, which is a construction union, but talking about nurses and first responders. And and that's how big this amendment is. It doesn't just affect the building trades, for example. It doesn't just affect, you know, talk talk about this, Joe. We've heard, oh, it's only for public employees. Mm -hmm. No, it's for, I've heard that too, and it's kind of silly. You know, it affects every worker, both directly and indirectly. It affects public workers and private sector workers because the NLRA, the National Labor Rights Act, um, has a specific provision that leaves it to the states whether or not a state is going to implement laws that make it harder to collectively bargain. And this constitutional amendment prevents Illinois from undercutting workers' rights and benefits and ability to speak up on the job. And And data is clear from other states, states surrounding us where they've done this over the past eight, ten years, the economic outcomes have not been good. You know, the state of Illinois, a lot of a lot of folks will take jabs at uh, at Illinois economy, which is on the rise. But um, but one thing that we're very good about is protecting workers. So we 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 have laws in place and then we avoid laws that that negatively impact the amount of money that workers are able to earn or um, the laws that can be passed that that affect the benefits, things like that. So uh, as far as workers go, they have better outcomes here in Illinois because we've avoided uh, passing these anti-worker laws of some of our neighbors. We've seen the evidence of this just over the past 10 or 12 years as Indiana and Wisconsin and Michigan have gone right to work. Their median wage has gone down. Their rights on the job have gone down and the safety on their work sites have gone down. And that's something that this amendment will serve to prevent from happening here in Illinois. Let's get to those three words, all right? Right to work. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, people, I've been told, you know, don't say right to work. It doesn't pull very well. You know, it, 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 it's, a, it's a misnomer. And it's, of course, it's a misnomer. We call it right to work for less. Mm-hmm. But I think, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that our members, and right now I'm talking to union members that are listening to this show, and quite frankly, educated workers as well, understand very simply what right to work is. And what is right to work? Yeah. So, uh, workers know better than um, the millionaires and billionaires that work to implement right to work think they know. Um, Right to work is is a means by which unions are prevented from collectively bargaining to the fullest of their extent because members are allowed to join or not join. And um, members know better than that. And members, even in those states like Indiana, Michigan, uh, Wisconsin, I can speak from the laborers experience, we haven't lost any members there because members know how important their rights are on the job and how important it is to have a strong union behind them. Now, with one of these laws, if, if, a, if a member decides one day they wake up and they're just not going to pay anything to the union anymore, does the union still have to represent them? Yes. Yes. And are there penalties, like legal penalties against the union if they, if they say, you pay nothing, we're not going to represent you? Sure. There's a duty of fair representation that we have to live up to whether uh, someone's paying us or not. And we do. We represent someone whether they're paying us or not. So, so let me get this straight. Somebody can wake up, say, I'm not going to pay anything, and you still have to represent me. And if the union gives one iota less representation to that member, they face federal charges. 
Yeah, but the members know this, and they know that they would be stealing from the other members right. should they ch- make that choice. And so, so in yeah. our experience, they don't. And I think that's right across the, the building trades, but I think other unions have suffered because of it. Mm-hmm. Some of the public sector unions, the AFSCMEs of the world, the SEIUs. But if I decided to wake up tomorrow and say that, you know what, I don't feel like paying property taxes right. anymore, mm-hmm. right? I mean, what's going to happen? I don't feel like paying my Comcast bill. Yeah, what's going to happen? Do, do they still, have to do, provide do, channels? No, no. They, yeah. they, they don't. But it's only in of course, it's only in our world that you know it's got the the upside down land, which is like oh oh the union world oh no you don't have to pay for that service we're going to force them to give you that service for free. And if you could stop paying for your cable, if you could stop paying for the newspaper and still continue to collect all that, it would put the cable company out of business. It would put the newspaper company wait, out wait of business. And you, that's the you, idea. You're saying that they're trying to put unions out of business? You know, I'm, I'm, I'd am i like to say God. that very clearly, that that's what these laws are, and wow. they're well-named to try to fool people. Wow. But I, we, we can see through it. Wow. It's very, very simple. I mean, they've only been around for about, about 100 years, and we still can't get rid of them but this you know joe you tell me if i'm wrong and this workers rights amendment would enshrine collective bargaining in the constitution of the state of illinois not the united states constitution right here in the state of illinois which would take care of that problem for us that's right we would know that illinois would never be a right to work state and we would always be able to stand up for what we saw on the job site and call out any dangers or unsafe conditions we saw. I mean, that's that's, that's a, a, a great... I, I can't see, you know, Joe, who would vote against this? The millionaires and billionaires that don't want to pay workers what they owe and the, uh, the value that they bring to the job. That's that's who's against this. And they're bringing out some, some kind of cheap nonsense, um, uh, you know, throwing things in like property taxes into this, where, I mean, workers and people listening out there can go to workersrights.com and read what the amendment to the Constitution would be. And there's not a thing in there about property taxes. There's not a single number in that language. Um, it has nothing to do with property taxes. I mean, these are just things that are being pushed by uh, by those millions and b- millionaires and billionaires because there aren't enough of them by themselves to vote this down. Right. There's no mention of taxes in the amendment's language, and that's because it doesn't affect taxes at all. In fact, we've got Research showing that the workers' rights amendment would be good for public budgets by growing wages and increasing revenues and reducing government assistance costs that have to be paid to people who aren't making a living wage. Uh, You know, so it's funny you should say that, right? You know, I've always said the rising tide lifts all ships. So if workers are making more money, what are they doing with that money? Well, where are they spending it? They're spending it in their community, right? right? They're going to restaurants that are owned by you know, people that live in their community. They're going to, you know, baseball games. They're going to football games. I mean, the money's going back into the community, right? Yeah. There's ripple effects, you know, that economists can measure about it. when someone is making more money, they can then save, they can spend, they can buy bigger houses, they can buy a new car, they can take their family out to eat. And all these uh, effects help other people in the economy that aren't even in the union. They're, they're people that are working with and living in the communities that the union members are living in. And benefiting from the fact that the union members are making strong wages. And, right. and quite frankly, hopefully, uh, you know, after all said and done, workers themselves will start to realize like, hey, and I think I think you're seeing that right now. I deserve to get paid. Like, you know, hey, Starbucks, you're making a bazillion trillion dollars and you're paying me 15 bucks an hour. I mean, that's ridiculous. For sure. It's great, isn't it? Seeing all these people come to the realization that they have power and that they can stand up for themselves and demand better wages. Yeah, it's absolutely. And and the inverse, I think what you just said needs to be spoken about and needs to be clear. And that is the more people make, 
the less they rely on you know social security disability uh unemployment medicaid, medicaid you know well, social security. service programs food banks food boxes you know all those yeah. types of things right and where does where, you know where are those funded from those are funded from tax dollars yes so we could actually shift tax dollars from social service programs if we just paid people a living wage and move that into infrastructure better roads mm-hmm. better schools more nurses right i mean it's just this seems to be common sense right. if you want lower taxes you make sure that the people working in an economy are getting paid a living wage and then you will have to do less to support those unfortunate few that aren't making a living wage yeah that makes sense and you know, it, it, it's good to hear that from, you know, somebody as smart as yourself. Oh, thank you, Ken. <laughs> well, and also because you agree with everything I say. <laughs> Not everything, but everything you said so far today. I Fair enough. Sure. Good point. Good point. Well, Joe, it's been uh, it's been a pleasure having you on here. Um, where can people learn a little bit more about the Laborers District Council? Sure, they could go to LayunaChicago.org. Um, we've got an apprenticeship program that is phenomenal. We're indenturing about 25 apprentices every week now um, where there's a bunch of work thanks to the Capitol Bill passed by Governor Pritzker, thanks to the Federal Infrastructure Bill passed by President Biden, and thanks to uh, the Capitol Bill passed by City Council and Mayor Lightfoot. There is a bunch of work and infrastructure being built all around us that the laborers and everyone in the area is benefiting from. So that's L. I-U-N-A, Chicago, LiunaChicago.org. All right. Well, thank you so much, Joe. Really yeah. appreciate you coming in. Absolutely. It was great to thank talk you. to you. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah, you're listening to the Workers' Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor, right here on 720 WGN. You're listening to the Workers' Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back to the Workers' Mic, everyone. I'm Ken. He's Ed, and we are about to kick off Union Myth of the Week. You ready? Yeah, we've got a good one. What is it? Uh, this week, the, the myth we're going to be busting is that unions only help union members. Wow, that is a, that's an old one. It's something that we hear a lot, and, and, and frankly, it's, it's, it gives an opportunity to talk about something very, very important, because unions don't just serve their members. They serve workers at large. They benefit the economy at large. So let's talk a little bit about how that works. And there's a number of ways that unions benefit everybody. Um, So for example, if there is a union grocery store and a non-union grocery store, and the wages go up over at the union grocery store, the non-union grocery store is going to have to raise raise its wages as well, or people are going to start to flee. We saw so much of this during the pandemic, totally unrelated to unions, but when it was hard to get people to come to work, you know, co- different companies started to raise their wages, and that's what it, it creates pressure for everyone to earn a little bit more. And that's something that unions have done for hundreds of years, more than just in the pandemic. This is something that's going on behind the scenes every day. So it's uh, it, there's like you know this union parlance called area standards, right? Right. Right. What, what's an area standard? An area standard is. You know, if if somebody works in retail in Chicago, if you're going to work in retail, say, in Chicagoland, you have a pretty decent idea within a buck or two an hour of what you can expect to be paid. If you're working in retail in South Carolina, it's going to be a whole lot less than that. So the area standard of Chicago is a lot higher or of Illinois is a lot higher than South Carolina. I don't mean to pick on South Carolina. They just happen to be the lowest wage state in America, particularly for construction. So it's a good example here. 
An area standard is set a lot of times by union wages. And why is that? In higher density union areas, union workers make more money. And like Ed said, the companies that are not union have a choice. They can either pay their workers what the union grocery store across the way is, or they can lose that worker to the union grocery store across the way. Now, hopefully at some point, unions figure out that there should be no union, sorry, no non-union grocery stores anywhere and can use those higher wages as a means of organizing. But in the meanwhile, you know, while the Trader Joe's out there are still not union and, you know, they profess to be progressive and earthy crunchy and they have all this like these cool products and you know the the the, the workers get to wear flannel and whatever and they have a monkey while you're shopping you're supposed to find the monkey is that right yeah it's for kids they have a little monkey that's hidden somewhere in the store you go look around for it a live monkey no it's not a live monkey well, i think there it? are laws passed you know to stop that and probably unions had a hand in that yeah, of course unions did we... no live monkeys in the grocery stores <laughs> everybody knows that <laughs> So, you know, Trader Joe's, you know, is, I think they have one or two, you know, now union stores I- in the country. But here's a company that, you know, pro- professes to be progressive and still will try and fight its own employees from joining a union. And all that worker wants is the area standard. He wants to make what the guy at Mariano's is making down the block, at what Jewel Osco's making down the block. He wants a living wage. He wants health insurance, maybe some benefits. God forbid Trader Joe's should actually make good on their promise to, you know, help the world. Well, start with your workers. So if that worker doesn't get anything and sees the wages and just the standard rising at other stores, clearly that worker has an opportunity to go to one of those other stores. So it creates some pressure for every store that is that doesn't employ union workers to keep up. Maybe keep it a little bit lower, but keep up. Um, and, and this is something that you see across all industries. And it's a great example of how, when, even if you're not a member of a union, if you see a union contract announced where workers got a large raise, that should be something that everybody celebrates because it's going, because, because other workers in that industry are going to see something else, because if they don't, these companies are going to lose their employees and every companies have gotten wise to this. They saw what happened throughout the pandemic when, all of a sudden in the morning you go to Starbucks and you want to get your coffee and you can't because the store is closed because nobody showed up to work. They figured out they weren't being paid enough. They could make something. Try, they, yeah, yeah. Try flying nowadays, right? They're like, right. oh my God, every flight is canceled due to weather. I'm like, I'm looking outside. It, it looks really nice outside. You know, I think it's staffing. And, you know, this is years of companies driving down wages and nickel and diamond employees and, you know, just take, 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 take. And it's coming back to roost right now. And we're seeing it all over the place unions are you know on the upswing workers are saying you know what what what, why should i go to work for 12 bucks an hour 15 bucks an hour that's not a living wage yeah and across the board in every industry workers are realizing they have more power because when nobody at starbucks shows up to work because they're not being paid enough Starbucks doesn't open. So Starbucks is seeing they're not selling any coffee this morning. People are driving down to another place to get their coffee. So they're asking themselves, what do we have to do? We have to add, offer a little bit more, maybe offer better benefits, throw in some health care, something like that. So it lifts up every single worker. It's funny. It's like, so speaking of Starbucks, you know, they're getting unionized all over the country. And, and kudos to these folks that are doing this. I mean, it, it seems really grassroots. And Starbucks recently said, huh, you know, what? you're right. We should be paying more money. So we're, we're going to, just not to the union stores. 
<laughs> oh, that's right. There have been a number of, of stores that have voted in or authorized the union, and those stores have been closed for, I'm sure it's not because of the union, right, Ken? No, no, it's coincidence. They, <laughs> yeah, they, so. didn't, they didn't need that most profitable store in Buffalo or wherever it was. You know, right. yeah, they, they could do without it. Now, quite and frankly, to be clear, that's yeah. illegal. That's, that's called retaliation, and there's federal laws that are passed to, to protect workers who who vote to form a union from retaliation. So of course in, in those cases, I'm sure that the Starbucks uh, workers, Starbucks workers United is the union. I believe um, that they're going to be fighting this out. And it's, it's another example of ways that unions help everyone is that there are laws out there um, yeah, to, there to protect laws. people. That, that's right. And those laws aren't, aren't, only for union members. Right, they're you know, for pe- all workers. That's right. So people think, you know, here's, here's a myth within a myth. People think the National Labor Relations Act only applies to union members. It actually doesn't say the word union. Right. It literally applies to employees. Correct. Much like the Workers' Rights Amendment that's coming up on the ballot here in, uh, in Illinois in a few weeks, it's employees. It's not unions. They just happen to form a union and take advantage of the National Labor Relations Act to the extent that it still works. It's about 100 years old, and I think it's broken in a lot of ways. But... You know, it's employees in general. So these employees that are working in a non-union store, they literally can take advantage of the National Labor Relations Act by themselves. And you're seeing some of these folks do it. They're starting these independent unions, right? So unions have set the stage. I read an article about this woman from Starbucks who started, and she's like, I had no idea about unions at all. So I researched it really hard, and I just read everything I could, and I started a union. And God bless her for doing that. I mean, that's just super cool. Another way... I'm going to switch gears for a quick second that, you know, unions only offer union members. Well, guess what? If union members, like Ed said, let's say we just, you know, ratified a contract and we had, you know, a vicious strike to do that. We went out on on the line, literally on a picket line and lost wages in order to get a good contract that will lift all ships. Simultaneously, we get a good contract. We make more money. And what do we do with that money? Spend it. Yeah, we spend it. We spend every penny of it, right? Yeah, we don't, we don't say. I mean, we don't save any. Well, I mean, middle class workers. If you if you give a billionaire a five percent raise, it's going to go into a hedge fund. If right. you give a working family uh, a five percent raise, that's gonna that's gonna buy things. It's gonna buy school supplies for the kids. It's going to buy a new refrigerator. It's going to buy a new couch. It's going to go directly back into the community. In other words more money to mom and pop shops, more money uh, in taxes, taxes equal more money for school districts, more money for school lunches, etc. So a robust middle class actually helps everybody, right? If, if the middle class is making a good amount of money and we're paying 35% tax bracket, we can hopefully use some of that money for some social programs for people that aren't making that much money yet, and hopefully they will be. But, you know, so that, that that's how the union uh, literally lifts everybody. The other thing that unions do, people, you know, are not conscious of this, is social issues. Like, look at the teacher strike a few years ago here in Chicagoland, right? It was about staffing and class size and, and, and better education and better education it really wasn't a quote unquote like we want more money right it was literally about the kids absolutely and, and work rules that affect you know whether kids who are struggling with something and not learning as quickly as the other kids have resources to to be able to catch up or if they have to sit in a classroom and just listen to something that they don't understand so and, and you looked at looked at the support that the teachers got 
I mean, it was universal, right? There were there were people that were angry, right? I understand if you're, you know, two working families and you got somebody's got to stay home, et cetera. But universally, I mean, that strike was supported because it was done for the right reasons. It was done to help other people, not just union members. That's absolutely right. So I think we have adequately busted the myth that unions only help union members. You look around, you can go back a hundred years. There's no kids in the coal mines. You don't have to work on weekends. There's an eight-hour workday. Uh, union contracts are lifting wages across all industries. You've got union members out there fighting for all workers. Actually, next week we're going to have uh, a union coming in. The Carpenters Union is uh, is fighting against wage theft, not on behalf of just their members, but on behalf of everyone. We're Super excited cool. to hear yeah. a little bit more about that. For sure. But I think we can go ahead and call this myth busted. Busted. Coming back in a few minutes, it's Ed Maher. I'm here with Ken Edwards. We'll be back with you in a minute on 720 WGN Workers Mike. You're listening to the Workers Mike, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back, brothers and sisters of the working class. You're listening to the Workers Mike. I'm Ken. He's Ed. We are on 720 WGN. This is powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor. After our first show last week, we had a tremendous amount of outpouring. Tremendous. And it was absolutely uh, really, really cool, really refreshing. We had a comment from an SEIU member all the way in New York. Yeah, imagine that. An SEIU member in New York. Uh, so we just want to throw a shout out to her. Ken, I think you've Sylvia, got it. Her name is Sylvia. She said, good going, Ken and Ed. A real credit to labor from an 1199 SEIU social worker. Well, triple exclamation points. Three of them? That's triple equals three, genius. All right. Yeah, I think that's right. But anyhow, Sylvia, thank you so much. I hope you're listening today. Thanks so much for your support. Yeah, I appreciate it. Well, Abe Lincoln has a really good quote on labor. Did you know that? Um, I did not know that. I think you knew it. I did not know it. Well, you're going about to you're about to learn it. I can't wait. All right, here it is. This is Abraham Lincoln's quote on labor. Labor is prior to and independent of capital. Capital is only the fruit of labor and could never have existed if labor had not first existed. Labor is the superior of capital and deserves much the higher consideration. Now, it's like Abe Lincoln speak. Mm-hmm. It's like it's almost foreign. You know what I'm saying? They, they, they spoke differently then. So I think what he's saying is companies, corporations, profits, all of these things are very, very important. They're the, the centerpiece of our economy. But none of it happens without workers. None of that can exist without people who are out there every day doing the actual work. And, how, and, and, and then how did we wind up in today's society where it's, it's the opposite? Somehow we think that the Jeff Bezos of the world and the Elon Musk of the world are these, you know, pioneers of the new frontier and we should be thankful to have jobs and we should be thankful to go to work every day and thank God I can, I can thank God for Uber and, and I can I can work two or three jobs now. Well, especially in the case of Amazon, it's interesting. There have been a lot of podcasts that I've listened to about this where the churn rate, the the turnover rate for employees at Amazon is so high 
um, that they're actually running out of American workers to potentially employ. That sounds crazy, but I swear to God that that's, that's the actual truth of it. Um, for a long time, the business model of Amazon was, this is not meant to be a pathway to a career. This is a, a low-wage, menial warehouse job, and that's just what the job is. And workers will come and go, and we'll find new ones. Um, but as Amazon has grown larger and larger, they've found that not to be the case. So I've seen ads lately, others have probably seen these same ads, where Amazon is reaching out to prior employees and trying to get them to come back, and then also starting to tout things like healthcare. So these jobs that didn't offer benefits before at Amazon are starting to offer benefits because the size of this company is so enormous that it's the first company in the world to be worried about running out of possible people to employ. So, so they have to like call somebody who's like, hey, remember that time you worked 15, 16 hour shifts? Yeah. And, and I paid you nothing and, uh, you know, I, I really busted your chops the entire time you were there. You want to come back? Yeah, this time we're going to offer you bathroom breaks. <laughs> Imagine that. Hmm. So, so. Bathroom breaks, you say. So Abraham Lincoln saw this, you know, before there was, I don't even know, I don't think there were cars back then when he, when he wrote this. No, uh, horse this and is, buggy. This, this is pre-Ford, right? And, and, and Henry Ford, by the way, he hated unions. He thought unions were the worst thing in the world. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it another day because, you know, Abe Lincoln saw this and it was pre-industrial revolution uh, and he still had the foresight, and that's why this guy's a genius, and saw that without, without the worker bees, there would be no, and he says the word capital, but capital is, is money. Capital is bosses. Capital is the corporation. And, you know, you bring up Amazon, right? Amazon could give every single employee that they have a $20,000 raise, and Jeff Bezos would still be able to get in his rocket ship. He would still be able to sail around the world in one of his 14,000 yachts they would just make instead of one gazillion dollars, they would make slightly half, half a gazillion, slightly under a gazillion. I mean, so he like, these corporations they they get it backwards. And what we're telling you right now, anybody that's listening right now, you are part of the working class. Is do not underestimate, do not undervalue the fruits of your labor. Do not underestimate your labor. It doesn't matter what you do for a living. It doesn't matter if you're a Starbucks worker to a steel worker, Amazon worker to an asphalt plant. What you're doing has value, period, the end. And without you physically toiling, physically working, making that cup of coffee, the Starbucks companies of the world, the rich, the 1%, will not be in the 1%, Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, and again, it's never been clear. Uh, uh, six months ago, I went out for a burger and saw a help wanted sign in the lobby of the restaurant. Think back three, four years ago uh, to the fight for 15. Ugh. People heard that workers wanted $15 an hour, and it was unbelievable. How could, how could we pay people $15 an hour? Fast forward to earlier this year, and you've got, you know, lunch spots. Uh, Chipotle, hamburger restaurants, whatever, where they're offering new employees $15, $16, $18 an hour, tuition reimbursement. So things have come a long way in the past 
you know, throughout the course of the pandemic, we've seen and, and companies have learned that they need their workforce to be happy and motivated to show up. And workers have learned that they have a lot more power than they ever thought they did. So and this then, is know, an old the, the, quote, the, the, but it's the, the, it rings true today. All day, every day. And the, and the fight for 15, in my humble opinion, was always short-sighted. $15 an hour is poverty wages. Yeah, if you're working full-time on that, that comes out to just over $30,000 a year, which I think in most cities, you're still going to need at least one roommate to afford rent in an apartment. And a second job. And imagine you want to try and raise a family on that. People, you know, they they thought that these jobs used to be, you know, for the high school kids. Right. Right. But as, you know, our jobs got outsourced and manufacturing went overseas and the job market shrunk and it became, you know, um, you know, college degree and you know corporate world and then everybody else some people started to use these jobs as the means to support their families and there's nothing wrong with that but for some reason our society was you know pummeled into thinking that these are you know unskilled garbage jobs and they don't deserve anything more than minimum wage well let's start let's just take a look at it think of think of the types of jobs that you um, but first come to mind when you are talking about minimum wage. My first job was in a hardware store. You think about retail jobs like that, uh, food service jobs. When you go into those places today, are you being assisted or helped by high school students? No. Most of the time, no. It's, oh, God, no. It's, it's people from all walks of life, people who are young, people who are in you know, the middle of their lives, and then, unfortunately, folks who are old enough that they should be not working in in those positions, not standing on their feet all day. I mean, I I was in a store about maybe a week ago, and I asked a lady for help, and she was, I mean, she had to be in her 70s, and I felt bad asking for help because I just asked her to show me where something was, and she's like, let me take you there. And I, I just, I felt awful. It, it, uh, it, it kind of bummed me out to see somebody that you, somebody's grandmother, somebody's mother who's out there still working so hard and, and working for so little and all the while, people are complaining that she's making too much money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what I'd say if everybody got a giant raise? Congratulations. Absolutely. Kudos. Kudos. Yeah. It, it, it's good for everybody. So, I mean, I think to, to speak to Abe Lincoln, Honest Abe, when people work hard, it benefits business, it benefits society, it benefits everybody. So, thank you, Abe. That's all for us. I'm Ken Edwards. He's Ed Maher. And this is the Worker's Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor. Coming up next, it's Dean Richards and the top stories from Northwestern Medicine Newsroom on 720 WGN. The preceding episode of the Worker's Mic was powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. For additional information and podcasts of the Worker's Mic, visit WGNRadio.com.